eyes. And let's just take a moment and be silent and imagine how great and amazing and vast heaven is. It's an amazing place. I don't know what you imagine of heaven, but just think of the father in heaven sitting on this throne over all the kingdoms of the world, over all the planets and over all of creation that he spoke into existence. And our finite minds really can't comprehend the majesty of this place that we will be able to for those who place their trust in Christ. We will be able to step into and encounter him forever. Only in imagining this place can you begin to taste and begin to see just really fully who Jesus Christ is in the fact that we can only really understand who he is when we see that he left that place. I mean, we're not talking about. How grand a place that Disney World was when you were seven years old. That doesn't even compare with heaven. And yet Jesus chose to step off of his throne and to leave. I mean, I imagine heaven is a place of amazing wonder and noise of the angels and all the beings that God has before him singing his praise as we hear here said in in Revelation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come sing all of the creatures in before the throne. It's this place of this constant chorus in 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 perfect rhythm and harmony always singing and I just imagine For just one second, everything fell silent when Jesus left to become a man. Heaven had to have just caught its breath. He left heaven. What king leaves his throne? And yet here is this God who chose to become a man. And to live among us. Not only become a man, he he didn't become a man who was born to be raised in a castle, raised with a with all the wealth at the world laid at his feet. He was a man who, as we see in Isaiah 53, who the world really did not look at and was drawn to. He was a man that was familiar with suffering And sorrow. There was nothing that we would necessarily look at in Jesus and just be drawn to him. Imagine that he chose to give up heaven, leave his throne and become a man. Now, imagine just what took place in him becoming a man. He left heaven not just to become a man. He left heaven to become a man, to grow up, to be mistreated 
and to choose to die a painful death with incredible suffering. Imagine if you chose to hear about this convict who had done unthinkable crimes and was on death row. And you felt led to go die in that person's place so they could be set free. There's nothing about their freedom that they deserved. But you, a person who had not committed that crime, chose to say so that you can be free. I'm going to go sit in the electric chair on your behalf. Pretty outstanding, right? Would ask a lot of you, would ask a lot of me. Now, imagine the president of the United States saying, I'm going to choose to go give my life for this person, this convict, deserving of whatever punishment they are going to get in this electric chair. I'm going to go sit in the electric chair myself and give up my entitled place of presidency. All of the world, all of history would stand in wonder. And yet that does not even catch a glimpse of what I've asked you to imagine tonight. Jesus leaving heaven to become a man and to die a painful death. When he did not deserve any of the punishment. You see, when when we look at the cross, we see this this great substitute. This great thing that that the cross offers us in so many different layers and in so many different ways. You see, there is this substitutionary atonement theologians theologians talk about that. He was our great substitute atoning for our sins. We are the ones destined to die because of the sin in our life. We are the ones deserving of hell. And yet he came and paid the price of death on our behalf that we could have heaven. He chose to leave heaven and come to earth so we could leave earth and go to heaven. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, the son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. In so many different ways, Jesus Christ offers substitution in his cross. And that's what we're to reflect on tonight. If we're really to look upon the cross. And understand all that Jesus did for us there. All that we have done to put him there, but all that he has done for us there and all that he wants to do in our lives as we come before that cross. You see, everyone who comes to Jesus comes to Jesus wanting something from him. What do you want? What do you want from the king of all creation? You see, in the cross of Jesus, there is always something bigger to be gained than what has been imagined. You may think you can imagine a lot, but there is something so much more. You see, we're mostly get comfortable in our our own ways, our own individualism. We get quite comfortable in our personal management of our lives. We like putting forth effort. We like gaining favor with people. We love putting effort into things and being able to serve other people. We like it when people look up to us, when people respect us and when people ask our our opinions. We love it when we're invited to dinner. We love it when we look at people and we feel like they there's there's value that they find from us in their life. That's a that's not a bad thing, right? 
But there's so much more. You see, I kind of like thinking that I'm well thought of when I think about how other people view me. How much of our lives do we spend with that mindset managing our lives? You see, what if. What if there was something offered to us to live a life with a perspective that wasn't focused on gaining others approval or respect or or patronage? What if we learn to live without the constant thoughts that we imagine of how other people see us? What if you never thought again about how others value you or whether or not they will approve of you? What if you lived outside the realm of public opinion and what if what if the court of others opinion ceased to be the jury managing your thoughts and your actions? What if you found joy in the fact that you weren't looking to find joy in how other people saw you? What if you learn to take yourself less seriously? What do you need to have? Why do you need to have an opinion of how others spend their time? Why do you need to talk about people constantly? Why does what Bob and Jan do really matter to you? What if you didn't secretly find value in what you do for others to gain this view in your in their eyes of who you are? What if you didn't find your identity in imagining how other people saw you? What if none of these things was a source of motivation in your life? Would anybody in here feel like they were able to live life differently if that were the case? You see, in Isaiah 53, 5, we hear about this this servant who came on our behalf and suffered so that we might have. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Punishment that brings us peace is upon him. Where's this peace? That is able to be found in the cross. Where does it exist? Where does it lie? Where can we find this place of peace in our lives? Because there are many days where we live and we don't have peace. There are many circumstances. There are many situations where we wish we could push a button and have peace. Right. How is that not the case in which in the life that we're living? You see, Jesus came to lead us to a different kind of life, a new life that he's promised us. Are we living that life and are we able to step into the reality of all that he has paid the price for us to have? And in this case, we clearly see throughout the kingdom. He gives peace. So why do we not have it? Why is it so hard for us to find in so many times and so many situations in our life? You see, the cross transcends everything that is brought before it. It transcends the prevailing assumptions of how we think we are supposed to live life. We've grown up knowing and thinking something somewhat similar to this, this list of what if questions, this list of how others perceive me to be the court And the jury in which we bring all our rational thoughts to say, is this something we should do? Is this something others will have a healthy opinion on? What does that offer us? Does it really produce life or does it still kill and destroy? What is the pattern 
that we find ourselves managing our lives by. You see, there is no hostility in your life that the cross cannot bring peace to. Can you say you experience that on a daily basis? Wherever you have hostility, you can find peace. But you will not find peace in what will not come before the cross. You see, Jesus traveled around and and he hung out with with sinners and tax collectors and people that you don't even sometimes want to talk about. He also sat and spent time with Pharisees. He 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 was in the synagogues. There's one evening that we clearly see that he's he's sitting in a Pharisee's homes and he and he begins to correct them and to speak truth to them. And the Pharisee speaks up and says, do you not know that you are offending us in what you're saying? And he just goes on that much more. And this is when he calls them, you whitewashed tombs. You see, to the proud of heart, Jesus truths. Feel very repulsive. But to those who will soften their heart to the truth of who Christ is, The blind spots go away and we can suddenly begin to see the very things that have held us in in bondage. The the places where we have we have have fears and insecurities and hatred and justification in our hearts, where we live by rules and we have vengeances and selfishness and pride. You see, all those become exposed. All those become then become something we can see. They've been hidden in the shadows for so long and they sit there and they turn over and over and they only steal, kill and destroy. But for those who hear Christ's truths and can see the love behind his words, they begin to see those bars and those chains that have held them captive for so long. They begin to see these things clearly that they did not know in these whispers that haunt them in the night and they can expose the lies for what they are. There's no way to live. Jesus is offering something so much more. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ in this case is it's like a pair of tweezers to this to the thorn in the flesh and and to a trusted person that appears like a friend in, of help in time of need. But to a person who does not trust it is something to guard against and something to protect yourself from because it just looks like pain. You see, most Good Fridays, we come to a service and we reflect on all that we have done to Christ to put him on the cross. And tonight we're to have that cross reflect back to us. And ask of us questions. We don't just bring our sorrows and our pains and our our things that we want healed you see, everyone comes wanting something from the cross. What do you want? To simply get what you want from the cross is not what it has to offer, nor is it what it is willing to give. The cross redefines everything that is brought before it and projects a completely new image of everything that is laid at its foot. Where does that scare you? Where is their fear? In your life to lay something at the cross, whatever it may be. You see, we come to the cross asking, seeking and knocking of what the cross might bring to us. But we have to see tonight in reflection that the cross wants to come to us asking, seeking and knocking. Of our desires, of our dreams, of our ambitions, 
and asking of those dreams and desires, and ambitions, their willingness to die. It is only in this place that we embrace the cross. We look for fulfillment. The cross, the, the cross looks for this first, this emptying of who we are in order for then fulfillment to be offered. You see, before the cross, we lay our wounds, we lay our guilt, we lay our shame and our rejection, we lay our, our brokenness and our pride and our failure, and we lay our sin. That's what we like to bring to the cross. But before the cross, we are also emptied of our confidence and our dreams and our ambitions, our desires, our perceived realities, our accomplishments and our self-worth. You see, before the cross of Jesus Christ, mankind is emptied. He didn't just have one arm pierced and one foot nailed. All of who he was was laid on the cross. And it is that same cross that we're invited to come and die. That all of who we are, not just the things that we're ready to let go of. But where we maybe are not ready to surrender. Those are the places where we find the most life in the cross. Gratefully, we come to lay down our sins and gratefully we come to learn how to forgive and gratefully we come to get rid of the shame that's car- that we've carried around for so long. But if we can only receive this incredible reflection, this, this amazing substitute that Christ offers us in the cross, when we learn to willfully lay down even our dreams and our ambitions, the very things that we hold most dear, the things that we like to hold on to and don't want to let go of. There we begin to really discover the cross. And that's why we're here today. How much of your life, if you had to think about it, how much of your activities and how much of of what you do in a day is here today and gone tomorrow? I think in many ways, here today and gone tomorrow could define our culture. Where does that bring glory to the cross? You see, the glory that comes from the cross is that which is eternal. And whatever was laid before it, surrendered to die, can receive the resurrection that he came to give. Those dreams, those things that you hold on to, those things that that maybe you're just completely comfortable with, with managing yourself. Because we all love having two hands on the wheel of control. That, too, must lay its life before the cross. We love to ask of the cross, but are we willing to have the cross really fully ask of us? Remember. There is always something bigger to be gained from the cross. The cross redefines everything that is brought before it and projects a new image upon all that is laid at its foot. You see, Jesus chose to give up heaven and to become a man. And in so doing, he is inviting us to choose to give up even things that are perceived to be good, even the way in which this Presumed way in which we are to live, to lay that down and to learn and to gain the view and the image and the way in which he desires for us to have life and to live our lives. 
Are you experiencing the fullness of a resurrected life? Because that's what Jesus wants to give. Can you give up your good things, your dreams, your ambitions, your desires? You see, what we fail to surrender, we fail to give him. We fail to receive from him in resurrection, real life. Where we fail to to give him the hope that we've held on to this dream. We fail to allow him to hand back that dream if it is his desire and if it is in his will. As a resurrected dream. I remember this as a single person where it was so hard to let go of this dream to to be married. And as the the Lord moved in my life and I abandoned that that dream and that ambition I had, the next thing I know, the Lord is handing me back a relationship beyond what I had imagined. That's the testimony in everything that we that everything in our life, you see, This is why Good Friday is Good Friday. Because everything that comes to this cross can be made good. Here's the reality is that it doesn't just have to be Good Friday. Because every day that you bring everything to this cross, willfully laying it down to die can be a good day. Where we fail to do that, we fail to find the goodness, the true goodness In a day. This is how we're called to live. Romans 14, 17 talks about the kingdom of God, says the kingdom of God is not about the things of the world. The the kingdom of God is not about food and drink. The kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy. You see, where you do not have peace and where you cannot find joy in the cross, you're failing to really discover how to lay down That thing, how to lay down that circumstance, how to lay down that situation before the cross where there is hostility. There's a place to find hope and peace in the cross. It's already been paid for. It's there for us to receive. But are we willing to lay things down? You see, our definition of peace is coming comes from something that we find and go grab and don't hold on to Jesus definition of peace is found in one word, and it's called abandonment. Only when we fully surrender and abandon does peace reside. Does peace come in and take over? You see, the cross ended pursuit. It ended the pursuits that we have. Because in this cross, everything is found. In this cross, all those dreams and hopes and desires can be realized. But only when we're willing to be asked of the cross and lay those things down. Is there any hostility that you have? If what we want from Jesus is something other than to encounter Jesus, we miss the very heart of Jesus on the cross. We miss our heart's greatest reward. You see, where we fail to have alignment of what we would bring to the cross and what we would willfully lay down and what Jesus would have us receive from the cross, where those fail to align, we have problem. 
Because where our hearts and where what we desire of the cross is not what Jesus ultimately desires for us. Then that alignment is not in place. Then there is something in all of the cosmos out of order. Ultimately, when we come to the cross, we come emptied of all. It is a place to be emptied of all. And in that place, we find the fulfillment of all in him. If we stand before the cross and we aren't wrecked in humility because of who he is and what he left in order not just to come as a man, but to come as a man familiar with sorrow and to go through the torture and the treatment that he did and to offer all the substitutes that he has offered us. Where we fail to come before the cross and not really be able to fully imagine that and not be reduced to this place of true humility and say, what do I have other than to lay everything down? To pull out our wallets and throw money at it, to 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 lay down our, our marriage license before it, to to lay down our our contract that we've just signed that makes us that we've had so much hope in where we fail to want to bring everything to this and abandon it all. We fail to live the life that he's called us to. We fail to see the offer. That he comes to bring us in this life. Where are you holding on to control? You see, what happened in the cross allowed alignment to be possible. And if we want if we won't come and, and bring ourselves to be aligned, then we miss the very point of the cross. It's tragically. Lost and forgotten. When we continue. To live our lives by the standard that the world has set. What are the Joneses doing? How am I viewed in other people's eyes? All of that can go away when there is an acceptance from who Jesus is and where we have found an identity that he offers us when we abandon all. Where when we hear from our father in heaven. Well done. My son, my daughter. I believe in you. I receive you. I value you. When that truth is received, the insecurities have no more footing, have no more ground to haunt. The fears have no more place to haunt. What does the cross want to ask of you tonight? I'm going to invite the band to come back up and we're just going to take the next several minutes and reflect. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. I don't know what would be on your list. I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know what your dreams, ambitions. You've been told time and time again, come and bring your shame, come and bring your hurts, come and bring your pains to the cross. And I challenge you tonight, come and bring your victories. Come and come and bring the things that you take pride in. Come and let the cross be the cross of Jesus Christ, where it empties all of who we are. So what I'm going to ask you to do as the band comes to play is we have we're continuing with the cards that we've had for the last few weeks. Where the cross asks something of you, I encourage you to come and take a moment to kneel. Write that on a 
on one of these tags and, and come and lay it at the cross. My challenge is to reflect and let the reflection of the cross come and ask and seek and knock on places in your heart that have yet to be fully abandoned. And in this, friends, I have hope that you can taste and know a resurrected life that Jesus Christ came to bring. A life of peace. A life full of joy. A life that is of endless hope. Won't you come? Come weary and tired, worn out from light, and step out of the shadows and walk into light. Yes, come weary and tired, worn out from light. Step out of the shadows and walk into light. It's come sinner, I sing, slave man or free. Bring blessings and offerings and then you shall see. Bring blessings and offerings. Then you shall see there's a peace to settle your soul. There is a peace that's calling you home. There is a peace. To settle your soul, there is peace that is calling you home. You've been tempted and shaken, tested and failed.